Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Welcome to the MLB Extra Chicago White Sox podcast. I'm Anthony Castromis, joined by Scott Merkin. Merk, the White Sox have been pretty busy since we last spoke. Maybe not as busy as the 15-0 Michigan Wolverine basketball team, uh, but pretty busy nonetheless. And uh, actually, I'm going to start with the Kelvin Herrera signing, because obviously the John Jay signing leads to a whole other discussion. But let's just talk about Kelvin Herrera here. Two years uh, reported $18 million deal with an option for a third year. That's a big get for the bullpen. And we've seen him plenty in the AL Central. Yeah, I thought you were going to start with the 15-0 Wolverines who actually played tonight to go for 16. But yeah, it, it's a uh, it, it's a huge get. And, you know, regardless of Machado or Harper or anyone else, that was a, a destination that Rick Hahn had for this offseason, a target, I guess is a better word, and that he needed to improve the bullpen. And he has greatly done that. In the sense, and remember, in fairness to the bullpen, there's a lot of young guys in that bullpen, and there's a lot of veterans that have been traded for other prospects, you know, within the system now. So he traded for Alex Calame, and he has Kelvin Herrera now as, you know, assigned him as a free agent. I believe that option year is a performance based type of option, you know, in terms of appearances and all that. So it should be an excellent, you know, one, two, three punch with you when you figure in Nate Jones, they picked up his team option earlier in the offseason. You have a young guy like Jace Fry, tough left-hander. You can also add into the mix, not to mention younger pitchers like Ryan Burr, Jose Ruiz, and Ian Hamilton, who's a guy they projected as a possible close of the future. And let's not forget Zach Birdie, who had Tommy John surgery a couple years ago and is recovering greatly. And, you know, they project if he stays healthy and continues to make, you know, steps forward by July, he could be part of the major league roster. So could turn out to be a really dynamic-looking bullpen And like you said, they know Herrera. Herrera also is pitched as part of a rebuild, and he's pitched as part of a deep bullpen. So he kind of understands what the Sox are going after right now. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, not a signing to be overlooked. But, of course, the signing that generated way more conversation this week uh, was the signing of John Jay, which on its own would not have generated much conversation at all. One year, $4 million deal. um, And uh, John Jay is a nice ball player, helps out the outfield, uh, gets on base at a pretty decent clip. But uh, that's that's not what people are talking about, Merck. They're talking about what this means for the Manny Machado market, similar to when they acquired Yonder Alonso last month, uh, because Alonso is, of course, Machado's brother-in-law. Jay is one of his best buds. They grew up uh, in Miami. And uh, so is that what's happening? Are we bringing South Beach to the South Side? Is, well, is this all a precursor to a Manny Machado deal? Very nice. You better copyright that before they uh, before they sign him so you, so you can start making those T-shirts. Yeah, I think Jay in and of himself is another nice little move, you know, where – He's a guy, you know, Luis Robert is a guy they're probably 
targeting as the center fielder of future, but he will not be ready this year. As talented as that kid is and as fast as he's coming, he's had some injury issues. So Jay, just on, an, in, on his own merits, fits the mold of a, a, a veteran outfielder, probably could hit leadoff for a team, and they can move Moncada into more of a RBI spot, which they feel he's more suited for. But yeah, you can't ignore the connection. And yeah, you feel bad. I, I think I talked about in the podcast before when Yonder Alonso got traded, uh, he was on a conference call with us a couple of days after that. And there were like 14 questions. And I want to say like maybe four or five to six about him and the other eight about his brother-in-law. And to his credit, he answered every question straightforward. So, you know, I, I understand the connection and it makes sense. You know, I mean, they're trying to, I guess, you know, add a little comfort to, to sweeten the deal. It almost, like I said, we've talked about this before too, Anthony, it almost strikes me as recruiting a, go, a college team you're going after a top recruit, you know? Trying to, you know, yeah. say, well, you, you come here and you get this. Think of the, that movie, The Blind Side, where all the coaches are coming in to talk to Michael Orr and, you know, telling his brother that, you know, you can do this at midfield if you come, if this, if this team, if he comes to our team. And it almost seems a little like that. Again, that's not taking away anything from the capabilities of Alonzo and Jay, who will help the team, but it certainly helps, you know, or it seems to help at least in the negotiating Machado. The biggest thing, though, right, is got to give him the money and got to give him the years he wants. Or it may not matter if his whole darn family is part of the White Sox organization. Yeah, that's, that was my tweet this week where, uh, you know, I, I've got it all lined up, Merck. You got Jay leading off. You got Alonzo batting second. You got his wife, Yaney, uh, batting third, playing second. You got his mother, Rosa, uh, batting the cleanup spot, of course. She's the DH. She's a little up there in years, but she's still got she's still got some thump in that bat, so she can bat cleanup. Uh, his uncle, Gio, is batting fifth and playing third. His dental hygienist, Pam, is batting sixth and playing left. His accountant, Lenny, is batting seventh and playing catcher. His nephews, cousins, barbers, mailmans, casual acquaintance, Pete, is batting eighth and playing right field. And then I've got Tim Anderson at shortstop <laughs> because Machado is on the Yankees. You, Folks, sorry. You, you got, sorry to burst your bubble. You got some nice play on that one. I, uh, did you confirm the the number eight hitter, the friends, cousins, hygienist? You confirmed that name for sure? <laughs> yeah, it is Pete. Uh, that is, yeah, that is bona fide information. Yeah, He's probably I mean, batting a little low in the order. but yeah. I mean, well, we've talked about this a lot of times too. It's just it, it's a very unique – both of them are very unique negotiations because of the fact that you have – 26-year-old players who have already been in the majors long enough to become free agents and have been dynamic players in the majors who are now, you know, being pursued by teams. So, I mean, geez, I mean, do we really believe, and it seems like it seems this way that it could be, that the Yankees are not in this? I, I think everyone, you know, believed they were never out of it in Cano until Cano signed with Seattle, right? So, I mean, it, it could be that they're just not going to the level that teams want, and the Sox are committed to going to that level. I, I do think still, you know, they even if they get Machado, they won't be out on Harper, but I think Harper is much more of a long shot than Machado at this point. Yeah, and I've I've tended to ask you, okay, what happens if or when they don't sign one of those guys? But let's let's go down the road of if they were to sign Manny Machado, because it seems like that market's kind of coming to a head. So let's just say that Manny Machado follows his bros to the south side. You almost have to keep going, right? You have to do something in rotation, don't you? Yeah, I mean – I don't think it'll be someone like Dallas Keuchel. I mean, they have they have very you're, you're talking strictly about the rotation, right? Just about the starting rotation. Yeah, yeah I, I think yeah. that you know they have a lot of confidence in Dylan Cease. You know, they have four guys pretty well set in there, and that they have Carlos Rodon. Congratulations, by the way, to him and his wife Ashley, who are announced they were expecting on Twitter yesterday. Um, Rodon, Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, and Ivan Nova. So yeah, I mean. It, I think they're going to add someone else to compete for that fifth starter spot with um, Dylan Covey and uh, 
Jordan Stevens and who am I forgetting? Manny Benuelos. I don't think that's going to, especially if they sign Machado, that's not going to be their fifth starter. But I don't believe, I, I just don't see, I haven't heard them about them really going after a big starter. Maybe it'll be more than a non-roster invite to compete for that fifth starter if they sign Machado. But I, I don't think they're going to go to the level of a Keiko or someone of that nature. There are other, you know, good pitches out there. They're familiar with Gio Gonzalez. They've traded him like three times, I think, twice, actually, to be honest. Um, so there's a guy they could, they could plug in there. But they have a lot of young pitchers coming. And if Dylan – now, one thing you may see is Dylan Cease was dominant last year. He was our minor league pitcher of the year, according to um, – according to MLB pipeline, I blanked on the name MLB pipeline for a second there. And if he continues progressing early on, like he has, you may see him a lot earlier than people think. So that may be the fifth starter in the rotation for the white Sox. But yeah, I I think they're going to still look to enhance, but I think they've made a lot of the moves they need to. And now it's just about the reeling in kind of the big fish. All right. We got a few questions from your latest inbox Merck. Bill in Louisiana wants to know how much is Avi Garcia still in the picture for right field if Harper doesn't sign with the Sox? Yeah, I think with Jay signing, it's I think Avi's pretty much not in that picture. Maybe I mean I know you know Kenny Williams has been a big supporter of his since they got him, and you know this was a guy who was going to be the cornerstone of their last rebuild, which they tried to you know kind of do a dual purpose of rebuild and win at the same time, which they kind of figured out quickly that you can't you can't pull that off. So I, I just, you know, at the time that was sent in, I thought there was still a possibility that ship is probably sailed. But who knows if, it, if they don't get either one of these guys, maybe they do take a flyer on him for one more year and see, see what see what happens. But they do have other pieces. You know, they have Nicky Delmonico there. They have Daniel Palka there. So there are, you know, uh, Leori Garcia is there. So there are chances to fill the spot without going to Avi. You know, I, I think the biggest thing with Avi is they just were not going to go to arbitration and come to a deal at that level. If they were going to bring him back, they were going to bring him back at, you know, obviously a mutually agreeable contract contractual level, but not one set by arbitration. And Andrew wants to know, we, we've all seen the Harry Carey statue, of course, outside of Wrigley. Are we getting a Hawk statue, Merck? Is there going to be a Hawk statue outside of, he calls it the rate. I still can't get used to that, but outside the rate, are we going to have a Hawk statue? You know, I talked to Brooks Boyer about that, who's kind of in charge of broadcasting among his many other duties. And, he said there's no plan for a hawk statue. Remember the uh, the third level where the broadcasting wing is or section is, whatever you want to call it. There's like six booths there for, you know, radio, TV, Spanish language, visiting TV, that kind of thing. The scoreboard, it's known as the Hawk Harrelson broadcast wing. And there's a plaque with his face on it outside. So, you know, and he was honored all last year, deservedly so. The man is an icon. The man is one of the more unique broadcasters and entertaining broadcasters in the last, what, 50 years. So he was feted as he should have been last year. But as far as I know, there's not a plan for, you know, for a statue for Hawk at the ballpark. And uh, this is an interesting question from Joe, who asks, if we don't get either of the plan A free agents, do we really need any of the plan B's going forward? Um, he also predicted Eagles 24, Bears 20. Or maybe yeah, it was, uh, oh, this, this is run after that. So here's an interesting question from Joe. He asks, if we don't get either of the plan A free agents, do we really need any of the plan B's going forward? I think what he's implying is, you know, if you strike out on the big fish, why even bother? Uh, let's just save up for next winter, which is also going to be percolating with a lot of quality free agents. Yeah, you know, I think there are always trade possibilities, both now and at the trade deadline in July. You know, and then there's offseason. You know, right now you're looking at a guy like Nolan Arenado, Anthony Rendon, uh, Chris Sale. You know, White Sox old friend Chris Sale will be on the market, most likely, unless any of these guys obviously come to terms with their respective teams now beforehand. 
But yeah, I don't see that. You know, Rick Hahn has stressed this over and over again that they're not about incremental improvements this year or doing things that, you know, just to make incremental improvements. So I think the only way, if they miss on both Machado and Harper, if that's what happens, I think the only way they go after someone else is if he fits into the scheme of the overall rebuild. If this is a guy that they can see helping now, but also helping, you know, two, three, four years down the road. And last but not least, Jason wants to know how Zach Birdie is doing. Will he be an option in the bullpen in 2019? Yeah, we talked about him a little earlier. He's doing great. You know, we saw him at uh, when I was out at Instructional League back in October, and he seemed very confident then, you know, kind of putting the work in. Had a little downtime. He's uh, scheduled to go on this trip to the uh, Dominican. In, in lieu of their hitting, they usually have a hitter's mini camp in January out in Campbellback. And they've done something cool this year. They're switching and they're going to the Dominican where they're going to have like their same workouts only at their Dominican Academy out there. So he's scheduled to be part of that and he's coming along nicely. And like I said, this is a guy who could really be contributing if all things go well by, you know, July, August of this year. All right. Good stuff as always from Scott Merkin. You can check out the rest of his inbox on whitesocks.com and Merck, we will hammer you with more questions next week. And hopefully we get some action between now and then in the manual shadow market. And yes. yeah, that would be nice if we can get some, uh, you know, conclusion there. But uh, in the meantime, uh, good luck to your Wolverines, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Anthony. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.